Meditation can be very helpful. It can decrease your stress. It can increase calmness, help you to see more clearly. It can make you feel happier, some say. It help you to, to know your pain, to connect, to increase in focus. There are those that say that through meditation, there are even uh, physical uh, advantages, uh, helps, benefits, medical benefits. You know, and if you kind of Google, if you go online, you can read about different ways to do this. I think one of the most common is to think about your breath, to meditate on your breath, or to kind of feel and think about different parts of your body, what's taking place there. But today, I would like to share with you a method that goes even beyond this. Uh, a method of meditation that I would offer is the most sublime, most exalted, most transcendental method of meditation that is humanly possible. Today, I would like to lead you, uh, encourage you, invite you into a meditation on the Blessed Trinity, on God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today is, after all, Trinity Sunday. Now, I know what you might be sitting there thinking, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really get that Holy Trinity thing. How do you expect me to meditate on it? You know, I can do like maybe some breathing stuff and meditate on different parts of my body, but this whole Trinity thing, you know, three and one, and like I heard something about a clover leaf thing. I, I'm not sure. What, what does this mean exactly? What, what's, what's the deal with this? How am I expected to meditate upon this if I don't really get what this is all about? Well, you're not alone. There are others, I'm sure, who experience this, who think the same thing. And yet, the church offers us this to meditate on because the church, Christ, believes that this is something that you can understand, that this is something that you can at least begin to grasp. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, that's the book, this kind of uh, summary of, of Christ's teaching, of the church's teaching, says this about the Blessed Trinity. That the Blessed Trinity is the most fundamental and essential teaching of the hierarchy of truths. So within the Catholic Church, we have a hierarchy, meaning that some truths are more important than other truths. And the Trinity, the Blessed Trinity, is the most important. That means the doctrine of the Trinity is more important than understanding, say, for example, God's mercy. The doctrine of the Trinity is more important than morals in understanding what is right and what is wrong. According to the teaching of the church, this is the most essential teaching. Everything else is based on this. And the church wouldn't say this if you couldn't begin to grasp it. You couldn't begin to understand what this is about. The Catechism goes on. It says the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity is the central mystery of the Christian faith and life. It's the mystery of God in himself. It says that the Blessed Trinity, this doctrine, is the source of all other mysteries of the faith. That means all the other teachings, they all come from this teaching, from the Blessed Trinity. This is the light that enlightens them. 
So I'd encourage you to be open to learning, to grasping, to understanding this concept of the Blessed Trinity, of God, one God in three persons, God, Father, Son, and Holy, Sp- and Holy Spirit. So I think the first part of understanding, kind of beginning to grasp this, is knowing where all this came from, is understanding a history of how God has revealed himself. So we're going to do that. We're going to maybe take a little journey, go back about four or 5,000 years. Back then, for most people, there was a plethora of gods. Consider, we didn't have a such thing as science to try to explain things. And so when you saw something that you were in awe of, your natural inclination would be to want to worship it. Think about it. You've seen the sun. You don't really know how it works. But you're going to be in wonder of this. So you worship it. Or the moon, you worship it. Fertility, it's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, new life coming into the world, so you worship it. Or maybe your thing is agriculture or livestock. People worship lots and lots of things. So there was one guy that was also a worshiper of lots of gods. His name was Abraham. And the one true God came to him and called him to himself, away from all these other gods, supposed gods, and said, I want you to follow me. He began to give him visions. And uh, it wasn't just Abraham, but it would be Abraham's children and his children's children. God began to reveal himself to them uh, as one God, the one and only God. We call this monotheism. Mono meaning one and theism meaning God. Belief in one God. So a whole nation began to grow up out of this belief that there is one God and only one God. This is how it began. You have the nation of Israel that believe, came to this belief in one God. So now we fast forward a little bit by a few thousand years. Let's go back about the time of Christ. This is about 2,000 years ago. So here this guy comes along and he begins to teach people. He, first of all, he claims that he himself is divine. He calls himself God the Son. And by calling himself God the Son, there's obviously, there has to be another, which is God the Father. And he begins Before he ascends up into heaven, he tells people that there's going to be a third, uh, the Spirit, which is going to be sent to empower the church. God, the Spirit. And so this guy, so his name is Jesus, he he teaches, he's very popular, and many people are drawn to him, but then he dies. He is crucified. And that would have been the end of all of this. But then something happened that changed all of that. Our Lord Jesus was physically resurrected. And this resurrection was witnessed by hundreds of people. Otherwise, it would have just died out like other religious figures that made uh, big claims. But this was different. It began growing a movement, this unstoppable movement. That Here was a man, a God-man, We talked about God as Father, himself as Son, and the coming of the Spirit. And one who proved that you could trust him by rising from the dead, doing something that no one else has done. And so the church is born out of this. So now we have monotheism, this belief in one God, who is revealed in three persons because of Christ's teaching. Okay, so this is the history. So, In the early church, 
the bishops, the leaders of the church, began grappling with this. What does this mean exactly? How do we explain this? How do we talk about this? And so they began to come up with wording to use this, wording to be able to explain God, to teach about who he is, what he is for people. So they use the word ousia, so they're borrowing from Greek philosophy. This word is ousia. It means nature or it means substance, like essence, what a thing really is. You know, uh, so, so, so nature, think about this. You're there at a cabin, you're by yourself in the woods, and you hear uh, a scratch, scratching at the door. And uh, you're wondering, what is that? What is that scratching sound? Is that, is that a tree branch scratching up against the cabin? Is that some sort of an animal? You're asking about a question of nature, what is the nature of that sound? What is making that sound? The question, what, is the question of nature. So there's uh, human nature, animal natures. There is a divine nature. This is what a nature is. This is what we mean by nature, or ousia is the Greek word. So that was the first word. So God, he has a divine nature. He's one. He's one divine nature. You, you have a human nature. Okay, so that's the first word is nature. The second word that the church fathers use to try to describe God is the word um, hypostasis. It's a Greek word. When it's translated, it means person. Person. It said there's three persons within God. Okay, now what, what exactly is person, right? So there you are at the cabin in the woods, and you're alone. You hear a knock at the door. And now the question you ask is not what that is. You're asking who it is. Why are you asking who? Because Animals don't normally knock at the door. You're pretty sure it's not an animal. You know that it is a person. So the question is not what is it. It's not a question of nature. You know the nature. You know that it's a human nature. Now you're asking the person. What person is it? You know, is it, is it Chris? Is it John? Who is knocking at the door? This is a question of person. This is what a person means. So within God, we have... One God, one nature, but we have three persons. So we have God the Father, he's one person. And when you're describing persons, you're describing differences between people, right? So with God the Father, we talk about him as the source within the Godhead. The source of all, he's the Father. Now, to be a father, that means you've got to father something. When a woman mothers something, we call it giving birth. When a father fathers someone, we call it begotting. That's what fathers do. Woman birth, men beget. So God the Father begot the Son. We say he did this from all eternity. In fact, he's always begetting the Son. He's always giving of himself such that there is a Son. So you got the Son. The way that we describe him is he's the one who was, who is, being eternally begotten. That's the second person of the Trinity. And then the third person of the Trinity we call him the Spirit. And the word that we use to, to, to differentiate him from the other two persons is proceeding. So when our Lord went up to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. He comes from them. Some of the church fathers talked about uh, the Holy Spirit like being the love. This is an analogy, of course. Analogies fall short. But the love between the Father and the Son, it comes from both of them. Uh, uh, some talk about like breath. The word is used in scripture, pneuma, Greek for breath. So this is the third person of the Trinity. 
Those are two words that are used to describe the Trinity. We have uh, nature, what a, thing, what a thing is, divine nature, one divine nature, and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So it's not so hard, right? Beginning to get at least a little bit of it, scratch the surface, it's just a little uh, grasp of the blessed Trinity of who God is. How the doctrine developed over time, God revealed himself as, as one, monotheism, one God, the one and only God. And then over time through Christ and in his teaching as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you have at least an inkling, a little bit of a grasp of the Holy Trinity. Now on to understanding why this doctrine, this teaching, is the most sublime, exalted method of meditation. And I encourage you to be open to this, to meditating, to contemplating, to think about, thinking about this. There's a whole lot more to learn. We could talk about this for a whole lot longer. But to consider meditating on this, to even be open to yourself entering into the Blessed Trinity, letting the Blessed Trinity enter into you. Uh, what exactly does that mean? How do you how do, you do that? What, uh, uh, let's, let's do a comparison here, okay? So let's compare meditating on the Blessed Trinity to another kind of meditation. Probably the most common, well-known meditation is Buddhist meditation, okay? So within Buddhist meditation, you are normally, you find something to meditate on, okay? Maybe you're breathing, or you could repeat a mantra over and over, a word or a phrase. You see, within Buddhism, it doesn't really matter what you meditate on. It doesn't really matter what because the purpose of meditation is to let go of all those things. The purpose of meditation within Buddhism is to, uh, is to lose yourself, to enter into nirvana. So the word nirvana means, means to, blow, to blow out. Okay, to extinguish, to uh, cease to exist, to enter into, into Atman is, the, is the, the Hindu language. So to enter into nothingness. So you're losing your individuality, you're losing yourself, your attachments to any things you might have, your desires. All this is really an illusion anyway. You don't really exist. You're all really part of the cosmos. And so you just want to disappear into that. And so what you meditate on doesn't really matter within Buddhism, because the goal is to enter into nirvana anyway, into, into nothingness, into kind of being extinguished. So it doesn't really matter what you meditate on. Now, this is different within Christian meditation, within meditating on the Blessed Trinity, because, and actually, this goes in the very opposite direction. The purpose of meditating on the Blessed Trinity is to become more of who you are, not less. Remember, you're made in the image of God. And so by meditating on the Blessed Trinity, you're meditating on, on, on your image, who you really are, becoming more of who you are. You are uh, moving um, not away from individualism. Um, you're not uh, focusing on like a timeless sort of myth of any sort, but you're focusing on something that is dateable. You know, uh, Jesus, when he came, he's attested by mainstream historians that he actually existed, he taught, he lived. 
Uh, you're thinking, you're not moving away from individuality. You're moving toward individuality even more than ever. You are focusing on uh, the three individuals, the three persons that come, from which comes the source of all existence. You are... Uh, Meditating on uh, not nothingness, but the beauty of, of equality. You know, these three persons, God is just as much, or, or the Father is just as much God as the Son is God, as the Spirit is God. There's no inequality amidst, amidst these persons. You are meditating on the harmony of those persons. You are meditating on the, the original community, a community that always existed, a community of love, of generosity, of creativity. It's because of the, this outpouring, this overflowing of the Blessed Trinity that you and I are here. So as opposed to going to this kind of nothingness, you're moving toward what actually is. You're moving toward reality. You're becoming more of who you are. And then you're invited to enter even more deeply into this mystery of the Blessed Trinity. You see, the reason that Christ came to this earth was so that he could reveal to you the mystery of this Blessed Trinity, so that you could enter into this secret of God. The church teaches God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he's destined us to share in that exchange. Your invitation is to share in the beauty, in the wonder, the love, the harmony of the Blessed Trinity, the source of all reality. Remember what our Lord promised before he ascended up into heaven? You read about it in John 14. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, this place within the Blessed Trinity. I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He wants you to enter with him into the Trinity, into the blessed Trinity. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we, we, meaning the blessed Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, will come to him and make our home with him. So consider this calling to the blessed Trinity, a calling unlike anything else, a meditation and entrance into anything else in existence. Because you weren't meant for nothingness. You weren't meant to simply cease to exist. You were meant for this love, this generosity, this life, the fullness of reality that's found in the blessed Trinity. So ponder this. Think about it, meditate on it, the beauty, the majesty, the wonder of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the most sublime, most exalted, most magnificent sort of meditation that you can consider and even enter into. So this is why I say that the meditation on the Blessed Trinity is the most sublime of all meditations. This doctrine was revealed over time. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit... First is God is the one true God, and then in three persons. It was given to you to learn, to meditate, to grow, to find out who you are. So you could meditate on low and earthly things, 
or we could be transformed by this superb and wondrous invitation to enter into and be transformed by the mystery of the Holy Trinity. So meditate, ponder, contemplate, consider, reflect, fall in love with the blessed Trinity. If a man loves me, we, Jesus said, meaning Trinity, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will come to him and make our home with him, with all of you. Amen.